0: In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. My name is Nick Hans.
1: And my name is Tim Young. Wanted to welcome you all back. This is part two of our study deep, deep study of the bread and wine, these symbols that Christ gave us in the Last Supper. So the last episode, part one, if you haven't listened to that one yet, probably should start there. We just talked about how this was established, the importance of it, how it was shared with believers, and we talked about the part of the bread and what it symbolized. So what did it symbolize?
0: Yeah, well, Christ began with by saying, this is my body, which is given for you. So it really talked about a life of dedication. Christ wanted us to think of his life of dedication. And as we partake of that bread, think of his labor and his, of his life, which was giving himself for others. Yeah,
1: very cool. So now we're going to turn our thoughts to, and I'm going to say it very carefully again here, the cup. I'm going to read this again. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 29, and his record of what he says here. But as I read through this, I just want you to see that he never actually uses the word wine. That's right. Yeah. When you're paying attention to all these little details, and I think there's a reason for that, and we'll talk about that, but just notice this as I go through here. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He used a different word there. He used the word the fruit of the vine, which is Really interesting. <laughs> In yeah. the way, I don't know if we'll go down that route. But the one that he really uses here is he just, he's emphasizing the cup. Mm-hmm.
0: We do know it is wine because obviously the fruit of the vine would be referring to wine. Right. And later on we find out obviously that it's a representation of his blood. So, you know, it makes sense for wine to represent that, something that quite looks like blood. But we often refer to it as being the bread and wine, but it seems that the emphasis here is really on the cup, isn't it?
1: Right. So why is that? Is there some sort of symbology in a cup?
0: Yeah, definitely. And we can look at a couple of passages which really highlight what the cup was all about. But if you just think about a cup from a literal perspective, have you ever had the experience, Tim, where you've accidentally drank from someone else's cup? Uh (laughs) uh-huh it's a little bit of an awkward experience isn't it it it? you feel like you've somewhat invaded someone else's (laughs) personal space you slowly put the cup back down that's right nothing happened (laughs) so a cup is a very personal thing Mm. it's really a representation of one's whole being in scripture and psalm 16 really helps us with that it talks about in verse 5 it says the lord is Is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. So here, God is spoken about as being a chosen portion and cup. It was really, this was this person's portion or, or lot in life, was all about God. And in Psalm 11 and in verse 6, we have this on the opposite aspect. It says, Let him rain coals on the wicked fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup again it's really an emphasis on what happens to these people it's really an emphasis on their portion or lot in life was this judgment that would come upon them so the cup really is a symbol of one's portion or, or lot in life
1: yeah and that's why i guess when you say that it reminds me of jesus in the garden of gethsemane when he's Praying to God, he says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Mm-hmm. So he's referring to the cup as what he's going to suffer. Exactly. And so yeah, that, that aligns with what you're mm-hmm. saying there. So that yeah. uh, definitely gives it more significance, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. I think in that sense, we just we get an insight into how difficult the challenge that Christ was facing was he was looking to see if there was another way whether he had to go through what was before him uh, to that extent and so he said is there is there a different way for this portion or lot that is given to me to be fulfilled and he used the cup to symbolize that didn't he
1: Yeah so it's interesting like he says this is my blood of the New covenant. So he says what's inside of it is the blood of the New covenant.
0: Yeah, in our first podcast on this section, we showed how the different records each highlight uh, different aspects, but this is something that actually comes in every single one of the four records. Oh, they so all share it. They all say this. They say, this is my blood of the new covenant, or this is the new covenant in my blood. So, it's certainly a very important phrase, and we're being asked here to really consider what this new covenant is about. This is what this wine is going to symbolize. It symbolizes this new covenant. And so before we can really consider what the new covenant is about, we have to first think of maybe what the old covenant is. Yeah, I would agree. (laughs) So we have the book of the law in Exodus 24 actually being referred to as the book of the covenant. So this Old Covenant was really embodied by the book of the law. The law was that Old Covenant.
1: The law of Moses. That's right. Right, right. It's really interesting how you talk about that book of the covenant because you mentioned Exodus 24. When Moses took that book, it was also associated with blood, right? That's right, yeah. So I'll just read it here. It says uh, Exodus 24. Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So, this was the old covenant and it was ratified by blood, Mm -hmm. but that was the blood of a sacrifice of an animal, a bull or something like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas the New Testament says, you know, the, the blood of bulls and goats cannot save you. They're just animals, right? They were just symbols in that way. So, there's this problem with the law of Moses with this old covenant because it was based upon works, You can't be saved by works. What Jesus Christ was establishing here was a new covenant where we would be saved by faith, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah. So Paul goes through this a lot in different places, but there's a key verse in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11 where he says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. For the law is not a faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. So that's what he's really saying there. He's saying the law is by works, you do them, but nobody can be saved that way. The, what Jesus Christ is establishing here is, is a covenant, a new covenant based upon faith faith in him, faith in his blood, faith in his life and who he is, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Hebrews 8 ties in quite nicely to that. Where Hebrews 8 and verse 7 it says, For if the first covenant had been faultless, there should have been no occasion to look for a second. So that first covenant, the first covenant, the law of Moses, there was some sort of fault with it. As you sort of said, it it couldn't provide forgiveness. Verse 8 then reads, I'll put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So, we, again, we see that covenant now is still about the people making God their God. But this covenant would now be based upon faith. Mm. And it ends in verse 12, says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So, in doing of this, this whole new covenant would actually provide what the old covenant could not do. This would provide forgiveness
1: of sins. So, this cup of wine, or this cup of the blood of the new covenant, as he puts it, right? It really speaks of this new covenant, which is the way that is provided by God for the forgiveness of our sins. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So that's the importance of it. Like we often think about like I, I think like drinking blood, that sounds <laughs> pretty gross. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And it was actually it was that way to the Jews as well when Jesus says you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh, like they were just horrified. But he was speaking spiritually. He was speaking on a different level. He wasn't speaking literally. Mm-hmm. But in the law of Moses, it was actually against the law to eat blood. And it goes back to Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. It's really interesting how Jesus is really contrasting the old covenant where you weren't supposed to eat blood. Now he's saying there's a new covenant, you get to eat the blood Mm -hmm. (laughs) or you drink the blood, right? So it goes back to Leviticus chapter 17 where this law is that you should not eat the blood. But it says the reason why is in Leviticus 17 verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood – And I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. That's a key verse there, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Because then you understand like the blood of Jesus Christ represents the life of Christ.
0: Yeah, that's right. And when we think about Christ's life, we think, well, what was most significant about his life? Well, Christ died, but many people have died. The most important aspect of Christ's life was the fact that he never sinned. Never has a sinless man died before. Absolutely. First of Peter 2 uh, really touches
1: on this. Oh yeah, I love this passage.
0: Where it reads... He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So that's really a packed passage in there. Mm. But it talks about the most important aspect of his life was that in verse 22, he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. And it ends by saying, as a result, Following his death, by his wounds you have been healed. So, having lived a life of perfect obedience, the life that was represented by blood, it provided a way for us to have forgiveness of sins. If we come back just to of Peter 1 and verse 18, it says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So, because of Christ's life of being like a lamb without blemish or spot, yeah, he was perfect. perfect. Yeah. Because of that, the precious blood of Christ has redeemed us. It has ransomed us from our futile ways. So we really get the emphasis there upon how Christ's life has provided us a way in which we can have our sins forgiven because we aren't like Christ. We're not perfect like he was, but yet his blood is able to redeem us from our sins.
1: Yeah, I love that verse. Like going back to chapter 2 and verse 21, he says, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. The blood of Jesus Christ and what is represented here is really his his life, his example, given to us to follow. And I think that's when you read verse 24 carefully, it says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin. He gave us that example on the cross, which Peter here calls the tree, which is interesting, that we might die to sin. And so, there's a participation that we have to follow here. When we drink of this cup, we are drinking of the same cup that the Lord Jesus Christ drank of. right? His sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? And there's another passage I'd like to bring up. It's in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. There's a lot of passages that talk about the blood of Christ. But this one talks about the forgiveness that we have through that. But notice what else he puts around this. He says, This is 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, he's talking about he as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. So, there's that blood. It has a cleansing aspect. Now, uh, usually when you cut yourself and you bleed on your clothes, it stains it, right? But the aspect of the blood of Christ is not to cleanse us physically, it's to cleanse our minds. It purifies our conscience Mm -hmm. by the forgiveness of sins, because we have this new start with God. But he also says we have to be walking in the light as he is in the light. We have to be following that example. We have to be dying to sin daily. And we are all fellowshipping together in this. That's Mm -hmm. the importance of this blood. It's a cup that we all Share together, and so there's this aspect of the fellowship one with another that this represents. It's a very special thing, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you emphasise that because when we think about this and the aspect of how special it is, we have to ask ourselves: Is what is required for us to be able to participate in this?
1: Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: And Galatians three, which we've already been to in some respects, but it highlights this aspect of it even more. So in verse 14, it says, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So here it's saying that we need to be in Christ Jesus to be Mm -hmm. able to participate in this promise through faith this promise that was spoken of by a cup of the new covenant and if you look at verse 26 of the same chapter it says for in christ jesus again being in christ jesus ye are all the sons of god through faith so we really see this emphasis of having to be in christ jesus And it goes on in verse 27 to explain what it means to be in Christ. It says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So there's this emphasis here on baptism. Baptism is really the prerequisite for our fellowship, our participation in these things. We must first be in Christ before we can fully understand and participate in what Christ has saved us from. And that is really picked up in the wine here as the forgiveness of sins.
1: Baptism is the huge initial step in associating yourself with Christ, which gives you this avenue then to partake of these memorials, this bread and wine, in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you haven't followed through with baptism, you're kind of. Uh, you got us. I'm the mark on the bread and wine.
0: I mean, how can you do this in remembrance of me and fully understand what these symbols are talking about. If you haven't first committed your life to Christ and God in his ways, if you haven't established that covenant yourself with God in going through the waters of baptism.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. They have a very similar symbology behind them because baptism is about association with the burial, the death of Christ and being raised to a new life. The bread and wine have that same association, but we do that as often as we meet together. We have the example of the apostles that we talked about in the last episode every week, so that we reflect on our baptism and we renew that covenant Mm -hmm. relationship with the Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus Christ.
0: And I think that's why we are really commanded to do this as we talked about in our previous podcast about doing this on a weekly basis, because it's a good reminder we're sinful human beings who often turn away from the ways of God. And so it's great for us to have a a weekly reminder, something to reground us in the ways of God as we come together to think about these things week by week.
1: So if it involves baptism, it's, it's a communal thing though, right? It's like in a group setting. Mm -hmm. So it would be with others who have taken on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ through baptism that you're sharing this with. Mm -hmm. And we talked last week about the body of Christ being that. And I just like to go back and look at that verse again. We talked about this in the last episode, but it's first Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16 where Paul says the cup of blessing that we bless isn't not a participation in the blood of Christ, a participation. So it's just not yourself. It's something that you do with other believers. That's right. It's a, it's a community. He says the bread that we break isn't not a participation in the body of Christ because there is one bread. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Mm-hmm. Now, the context here is really interesting because some of the Corinthians were actually – fellowshipping or eating bread at the table of idolatry, which Paul calls demons. And so he says in verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. So there's false views out there that we can't be partakers of. We can't have fellowship in that sense with the things of the world, and Paul says, and expect to be partakers of this bread and the cup that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us. It's a very special, uh, should I say, inclusive or exclusive thing, but there is a group of believers that share in this, and it's very precious, and they should hold on to that, that unity that the bread and wine are supposed to bring all believers together in.
0: Yeah, I really like what you've said there about the participation in this together as a body of believers. Ephesians 2 and verse 13 takes this to... The next level, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So the wine representing the blood of Christ has actually brought us near unto God.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: So all these things that we've been talking about here and symbolized by this wine, the new covenant which spoke of forgiveness of sins, actually shows that now we can have a greater connection, not just with other believers, but even with God himself, that we've been brought nigh by this process of having our sins been forgiven.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> fellowship is just not with ourselves, but yeah, it's with Jesus Christ and with God himself. That's why Jesus did it. He wanted to bring us to God. He wanted to bring us into fellowship with God. So, yeah, when you put it that way... This participation in the bread and wine, oh, it's so important. I really cherish this time that we've had together to to dig into it a, a little bit more. I think we've left a lot out here on the table. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot here. <laughs> so uh, just to remind everybody, we're going to have uh, some of Nick's handouts here, some of the uh, notes that he had as a basis for a fuller study. So there's one with the parallel scripture, but there's one also that – kind of summarizes all of what the bread means and all of what the wine means in a very it's like a tree-like structure and i love having you follow that through and just see all the the different avenues that these thoughts take us
0: yeah i'm a little bit of a visual person so hopefully those notes are helpful in being able to visually explain kind of some of the things that we've gone through
1: definitely okay nick thank you very much lord willing we'll see you again in the future sometime
0: Thank you, Tim. Thank
1: you for having me. We'd like to meet you. Every Tuesday night, we meet online for a Zoom Bible study. Come by and just say hi. It's an informal group discussion format where everybody is encouraged to ask questions and share their perspectives on the scriptures. I think you'll really like it. It happens every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To get the Zoom meeting link, Go to our website at www.essentialbiblestudies.org and fill out the form. Speaking of questions, if you ever have a question about the podcast or the subject matter, then drop it on us at our website contact form. Again, that's www.essentialbiblestudies.org. Each episode of the podcast has some special artwork associated with it. If you'd like to see it, then you should follow the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We post it when each new show comes out. If you really like the show, then you can help us out big time by rating us. By giving us five shiny stars and a glowing review, it will help others to find us. Seriously, Apple and Google use them to boost placement in their searches. In the Apple Podcast app, just scroll down on the show to get to the ratings and review section and tap that fifth star. It only takes a minute, it's easy, and it works. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until next time, my dear friends, may God help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.